beloved family. Hold on just one moment. We just have a little technical problem here. For one minute and I shall be with you. Okay. Um, Blessed Monday after Trinity Sunday. I hope that we're on the air. I don't I don't hear anything, but um, okay, we are on. Um, from my side, it's one one-sided conversation, but I'm, I trust that you're there, and I trust that you know that God loves you and how much he loves you, and whatever trials we're under, missing the Eucharist, missing church, uh, not being able to receive our Lord because we won't receive him on the hand, all of that is just, it's all tragic, but it's all that God has allowed, all that he has allowed, beloved. Um, I have no doubt about that, and um, I, I've been urging you to um, see if you could listen to all the talks on the Rome Life Forum, and you will hear Bishop Athanasius Snyder, who was denied the Eucharist with his family for years under the communist regime, not even a priest, zero, and he is a saint on earth um, because uh, his mother taught them the faith. They lived the faith at home, and that's what should be happening with your children. There might be a time where we don't even have masses live-streamed, which, of course, are not equal to being there in person. That doesn't, to see a mass on TV or in the computer does not suffice for going to mass. It doesn't count at all, but it can be an encouragement to us. So we need, as um, our forefathers did, to learn to live the faith without the mass, uh, although the mass is still celebrated all over the world uh, by priests, um, but we are not in the most part, able to go. And now, even though many churches are open for a certain number of days or hours, um, not only are the amount of people are limited, and you have to make, quote-unquote, a reservation, but uh, they will not uh, serve communion in a reverent way. They will. Most churches will not allow uh, us to receive communion on the tongue. Um, and there are people who just will not receive our Lord on the hand. I'm one of them. Hold on. I just, um, the thought of it is, is he's God and it's, it's an awful thought and I won't, I won't treat him as a piece of food by receiving him on my hand. I won't do that. Uh, he is food for our souls, but he never ceases to be God. So we're going through trials, beloved. You can get angry. You can get very upset. You can mourn. I know you're doing that. Many are doing that. But trust God for the trial that he's allowed. Don't be angry at him. Then you'll really be in trouble. Um, no, no, no. Trust God that he's allowing us through this time of chastisement and suffering in order to return to him. Um I mentioned last week that in um, Father Linus Clovis's talk, he said, and he quoted scripture, to show us that God sends us the shepherds that we deserve. So we've been complaining about our shepherds, and um, we could say, well, look at this and look at that, and we, we are right in observation. But 
God has sent us the shepherds we deserve. And if you don't think you deserve such shepherds individually, God doesn't uh, count us individually. He sees us as his people. And as his people, we are debased. We are turned from him. There is very little difference from us as a people than uh, from the world. Very little difference in contraception, abortion, um, um, views on, on homosexuality and all of that. Very little difference. Difference between individuals, but there are moral individuals that are not Christians, that live a better life than some Christians do, that some Catholics do. So we are the ones that need to repent. We are the ones that need to turn our lives around. And we, like the first Christians, can then affect the entire world. And that's what's needed, beloved. That's what's needed. So I know you're suffering. God knows you're suffering. He wants our humility. He wants our repentance. He wants our obedience. He wants us to return to the vocation of marriage that he gave us. He wants us to return to the home as the domestic church, which it is to be and was and has ceased being. He doesn't want us giving our children over to the world to corrupt anymore. Uh, The children are to be taught at home. The parents are to throw out every single thing, including the TV or, or magazines or newspapers that does not lead them and their children to Christ. You don't have to throw out the TV. But nothing should be watched on it, even if after the children are in bed, that does not lead your heart to Christ. And so um, it's a time for us to convert, to repent. Repent means to make a 180-degree turn. It's time, beloved. We need to do that. And God will, um, God will come to us in that. But we need to do it. Let me just say now, let me just see. I have... We had a beautiful um, Trinity Sunday yesterday, and I, uh-oh, let me just see. I had a, a beautiful article to read to you, um, and I hope it hasn't gone away, but I think it has. Hold on now. Here it is. There it is, a solemn feast of the Most Holy Trinity. This is a beautiful, beautiful article. It's from Regina Magazine. Uh, They are a beautiful, traditional apostolate. Uh, You can trust everything they write. You can trust their books. You can get it in print. You can get it online. Regina Magazine. And yesterday they had this article up for the Feast of the Most Holy Trinity. And they say this, that... um, Every Sunday is dedicated to the worship of the triune God and is called, accordingly, the Lord's Day. But the first day after Pentecost is appointed by the church a special feast. The first Sunday after Pentecost is a special feast of the Most Holy Trinity because this mystery, as the fundamental doctrine of the Christian religion, began at once to be preached by the apostles as soon as they had been enlightened and strengthened by the descent of the Holy Ghost. Um, Many people say to me, why wasn't the Trinity in the Old Testament? Well, the Trinity is God, and God is none other than a Trinity. Um, 
And so he, God always existed, but he would reveal himself. Hold on, I'm going to have to see. Hello, 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 hello. Hello, 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 hello. I'm not sure. Um, he um, would reveal himself as a triune God through, through history, first as the Father, then as the Son at the Incarnation, and then as the Spirit at Pentecost. And it's not modalism, it's not first he appears as the Father, and then the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. He is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he revealed that progressively through time and said, well, why can't you find the word Trinity in the Old Testament? I guess for the same reason you cannot find the word Trinity in the New Testament. Not everything's in there. The word incarnation is not in there either. The word purgatory is not in there. Um, Many words, but the doctrines are. And it would only be through the councils of the church uh, a few centuries later that the doctrine of the Trinity would be... um, uh, laid out and, and and described and made an infallible doctrine of the church. It's always been infallible, but it, it needed to be declared infallible. So um, there's so many things we don't understand. And I remember Mark Twain saying, it ain't the things I don't know that bother me, it's the things I do. <laughs> you see, and that's what God holds us accountable for, for living the things that we do understand. There's the music for our first break, beloved. Um, and we shall um, return right after that, and I'll read you a little more of this article, which is utterly beautiful, and then we'll take your calls at the half hour. Don't go away. We'll be right back. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Join us here on the Station of the Cross for the Liturgy of the Hours at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern with the Office of Readings read at 3 o'clock. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus tells us, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. 
The Liturgy of the Hours is also known as the Divine Office and is the daily prayer of the Church. So you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests, religious, and laity throughout the world. It's comprised of small reflections, readings from sacred scripture, and writings from saints and theologians. To learn more about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. And we are... um, we're just going to go back to reading the article from Regina Magazine. Um, I don't know, my, I've got a little headphone problem here. Um, and um, it's a beautiful article, beloved, and we'll only take the next 10 minutes or so. We'll get as far as we can, and then we'll start taking your calls and emails. Um, and this article um, that is in Regina Magazine was originally, originally written in 1877 by Father Francis Xavier Weninger. Uh, let me read the beginning of it. It's, it's perfect. It's everything we, uh, are to believe, uh, on pain of sin. This is what we do believe as Catholics. And he says, the mystery of all mysteries is presented to us today by the true Church of Christ, namely, the today which is yesterday, namely the mystery of the Most Holy and Undivided Trinity, to which we owe the deepest honor, love, and devotion. He writes, our belief on this subject consists principally in the three following points. There is one true God who rewards all good deeds and punishes all evil ones, either in this world or in the next. But there are at the same time three persons who, according to writ, that's Holy Scripture, are called Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Each of these three persons differs from the other two, namely the Father from the Son, the Son from the Father, and the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost from the Father and the Son. This difference of persons implies, however, no difference in their nature. You hear that? They're all God. And together they make the one God. For they all possess only one divine nature and essence. Each of these persons is true God. True God is the Father. True God, the Son. True God, the Holy Ghost. Notwithstanding this, they are not three gods, but one God, because all three persons possess but one divine nature. In regard to men, we say that there are as many separate and distinct natures as there are persons. But in God, as St. Augustine teaches, we find a most perfect unity in the Trinity and a most perfect Trinity in the unity. This means there is only one God, but there are three divine persons. Now, do you understand that? 
No, you don't. <laughs> Nobody does. Volumes and volumes and volumes written about it for 2,000 years to try to plumb the depth, the depth of such mystery. We can't understand it, but we can begin to understand it by the light of, of the Holy Spirit given to us and the wisdom given to our fathers and St. Thomas Aquinas and others. Continuing on this one, the Father is the first person, the Son the second person, the Holy Ghost the third person. The Father has no beginning nor origin from either of the other persons. The Son is born from all eternity in an incomprehensible manner of the Father and the Holy Ghost in an equally incomprehensible manner proceeds from the Father and the Son at the same time. And yet the Father is neither older nor higher than the Son. And the Son is not younger or less than the Father and the Holy Ghost, not younger or less than either the Father or the Son. It is true, Christ has said in the Gospel, quote, the Father is greater than I am, end quote. But these words must be understood as spoken by him in his human nature, by Christ in his human nature. The Father is greater than Christ as Son of Man, for as such, he is not from eternity, not a son of man. You know that. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He took upon himself human nature in time. That is, at his incarnation, nearly 2,000 years ago. As far, however, as his divine nature is concerned, he is equally great and eternal as the Father. And as the Father is from all eternity, so the Son, by his divine nature, has no beginning. The same we believe and confess of the Holy Ghost. He exists equally from all eternity. How that straightens everything out, doesn't it? How clear is that? <laughs> Excuse me, a little too uh, loud on the mic here. He continues, What we believe of the eternal existence of these three divine persons, we must also believe of their other perfections. Namely, the omnipotence, the omniscience, um, infinity, and other attributes of God. Omnipotence is his, um, it means that he's all-powerful. Omniscience, that he's all-knowing. Infinity, that he has no beginning and no end. Omnipotent is the Father. Omnipotent is the Son. Omnipotent is the Holy Ghost. Omniscient, the all-knowing, is the Father Omniscient is the Son, omniscient the Holy Ghost. Infinite is the Father, infinite is the Son, infinite the Holy Ghost. Equal, beloved. They are equal, co-equal. Not one of these three persons is above the other in might, in wisdom, infinity, or any other perfection. One is immeasurably perfect as the other. But although each of the three persons possesses the above-named attributes, there are nevertheless not three gods thus perfect. As although each person is true God, there are not three gods, but only one. Because the three persons possess but one divine nature. The Son of God, the second person, possesses beside the divine nature also the human nature, which he took upon himself at the virginal body of Mary, 
in the virginal body of Mary and in which he suffered and died for us in that body. He is true God and man. This is what the truth, what the true faith teaches us of the mystery of the most holy trinity. Now turn around and teach that to your five-year-old. No problem. (laughs) In the Old Testament, this mystery was revealed to very few and only to the most beloved friends of God in order, as the fathers, the Holy Fathers write, that the Jews who were surrounded by heathens and who were themselves prone to idolatry should not have the opportunity to regard the three persons as three gods. And I'm going to interject here and say that right from the beginning, um, I think you know Abraham uh, was the first Jew, but he wasn't a Jew. Abraham, the first Jew, wasn't a Jew. The father of us all wasn't a Jew. He came from um, pagan idolatry. His parents were idolaters. God took him out of that situation and said, From you, Abram. His name wasn't Abraham yet. From you, Abram, I'm going to bless every nation of the world. From you will come the Messiah. From your loins, Abram, um, will come the Redeemer who will bless every nation of the world. Um, And so what God needed to do, even when he gave the commandments, the Jewish arrangement of the Ten Commandments, um, is the first commandment is a statement, it's not a commandment. The first commandment says, I am the Lord your God. It doesn't go on to say, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's the second commandment. But the first is, I am the Lord your God. That's the commandment. And it's not a commandment, it's a statement. I am the Lord your God. And throughout the whole Old Testament, particularly the book of Exodus, you shall have no other gods before me. I alone am God. And God was not going to introduce them to his triune nature, the triune God of Abraham, because he first had to get them away from all their paganism, all their pagan culture and ideas, and form a people for himself in the midst of a pagan world um, and have them understand that all these gods that they grew up with are not gods, that he alone is God and he alone is their God, you see. And so once he could get them away to worship the Lord our God, the Lord their God, then he could begin to um, uh, help them understand that the one God exists in three persons. Um, I know we're not going to have too much time for me to read through this article. Um, uh, you know, it actually it says pretty much what I've said. Let me read. In the Old Testament, this mystery was revealed to very few and only to the most beloved friends of God in order, as the Holy Fathers write, that the Jews who were surrounded by heathens and who were themselves prone to idolatry should not have an opportunity in regard uh, to regard the three persons as three gods. The prophets impressed them only with the truth that there was only one true God and that they must worship him alone and not turn their thoughts to the idols of the heathens. But in the New Testament, The mystery of the Holy Trinity is revealed and announced in clear words, not to mention many passages which have reference to this. Let us only regard what Christ said to his apostles, quote, 
Going therefore, teach ye all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. I won't go on because I know we'll come right into a break, but he didn't say, Jesus didn't say, baptizing them in the names, plural, of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, but in the name, singular, of three persons, because the three persons are one. In the name, singular, of the Father, Son, and the Holy uh, Ghost, or Holy Spirit. Three persons. Um, and I, I once did a comparison of um, the entire Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and showed each through the entire Old Testament and New how each was deity, how each was God, and I showed in that also how there's only one God. So you have three or one, and the answer is yes. You have three in one. Three gods in one person. Is anything impossible for God? We can't understand him. We're made in his image and likeness, but we don't have his nature. Um, um, It's very difficult to understand, but we can understand it to a point, and we can love it, and we can love God, and we can give him the homage um, that he's due, and we should do that indeed. Um, So... Soon we're going to, I know I'm, I'm uh, holding on a little bit because the music's going to start any minute for the break. And anything on your mind, beloved, on the Trinity, on our faith, on the COVID-19 situation, on your family, on how to love your husband, your wife, your children, your parents, your friends, um, this next half hour coming up after the break is fully yours. And you are free to call in uh, with anything on your heart whatsoever. And the toll-free number is one 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. The Terry and Jesse Show, weekdays, 2 p.m. Eastern, on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network and heard around the world on the iCatholic Radio app. Hi, this is Terry Barber from the Terry and Jesse Show. We want you to know Jesus and His Bride, the Church. 
If you have any questions about the faith or what is happening in the church, you can call us during the show at 888-526-2151. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together for your calls, your emails, your text, anything that's on your heart. It does. It never needs to be what we are speaking about. The, the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. The toll-free number is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have Joan on the line from New Jersey. Hello, Joan. Hello, sister. How are you? I'm wonderful, Joan. How about yourself? Very good. Um, I, I just lost your picture. It says, sorry, we're having trouble playing Oh, really? Video. Oh, dear. I wonder what happened. I don't know what happened. I wonder if other people have that. Oh, well, I if you have it, probably day. everyone has it. I'm, yeah. I see the screen. I don't know what happened. It's okay. But go ahead with your question. At least I can hear you. Um, I was wondering... Um, if you had heard about uh, Tim Gordon, who uh, is a Catholic commentator, and uh, he was a, a school teacher in a Catholic school in California called Garces, G-A-R-C-E-S, and he spoke on a uh, program about Black Lives Matter. He is not a racist by any stretch of the imagination, but as soon as the program was over, he was let go by Joseph Bishop Brennan, and uh, he it's really terrible because he has a family. He lost his health insurance, and he has a young daughter who just had very serious surgery. And I feel that this is uh, uh, very similar to the Covington boys that they march for life, where the church spoke out quickly before they really, you know, um, wow! Do you to, know what he said? Did you hear Tim Gordon speaking? No, about I didn't hear it. I only know that he is not a racist and that he is a Catholic commentator. Well, but I cannot comment on that, dear one, because I don't know what he said, and I don't know what the what the uh, uh, the, the venue was. Was it Catholic radio? Was it public? No, no. Radio? Um, um, uh, yes, I. I um, yes, I believe it was, mm-hmm. but I would love for you to, if you could find out about it, so that perhaps you could, um, of course he needs donations, and his GoFundMe page was targeted, but even more huh. important than donations are the prayers for his family and that little girl. Yes, and, okay, uh, Joan. 
All right. But I don't know. I mean, if it's not a news, it, I, I will be listening to see if you know if you're able to find. All right. I'll, if it comes it. up in the news, uh, yes, I'll I'll read it and and be able to comment. But um, I'd have to know what he said uh, and, and the context of it in order to comment at all. But if if I come across it or I, I see it, I'll certainly uh, do that, Joan. Okay, God bless you, and I'll ask everybody to pray for Tim and his family. And I'm, I'm very pleased to be part of your program. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you. I'm pleased you are too, Joan, and thanks for your call, sweetheart. Okay, we have Jim on the line from Buffalo. Hi, Jim. Uh, good morning, Mother. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you for asking. I really appreciate talking to you. Um, I heard this morning you had mentioned that you would not receive Holy Communion in your hand. No. And you seem to be pretty, um, you know, firm on that. Yeah. And um, can you please give me some background and and your reasoning there, please? There's a little book uh, that I'm going to suggest you get a hold of, if you can, Jim. It's uh, very small. It's a booklet. It's called Communion in the Hand. It's by Bishop Athanasius Snyder. Um, and you know, you may know this, that the norm of the church canon law is not in the hand, but it's in, on the tongue. Um, and um, the church has given permission to receive communion on the hand. So you're, you're, you're not in sin if you do that, because the church allows it. But, um, oh my, uh, we, how do I say, if... We've lost reverence for God. We've lost reverence for God. Um, there's so much involved here. You know, Jim, uh, but I'm, I'm going to just give one example from the Old Testament. We come to church. Some people chew gum and have something in their mouth and uh, just kind of go up uh, casually. Um, in the Old Testament... When God appeared to Moses on Mount Sinai, the people couldn't see God. Only Moses would meet with God. And even then he couldn't see God, but he spoke with God. And when God came on Mount Sinai, he would thunder. The mountain would shake, but the people could never see him. And they couldn't touch the mountain or they would die. They couldn't come near it or they would die because God is holy and we are sinful and we'd be wiped out in a second. And so in order to even stand before the mountain from a distance when he came, a God told Moses to have the people bathe, refrain from marital relations, not because that's sinful, but because God is holy. And uh, repent just to be holy, to stand before the mountain. And here... We are before the, that same God because the God who roared on Mount Sinai and showed his back parts to Moses was the Lord Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen the Father. That was the Lord Jesus Christ who became, as you know, man through the Virgin Mary, died on the cross, rose again to give life to all who will come to him and gave himself to us as our food in the Eucharist and said, Lo, I am with you always to the end of time. So here, before Mount Sinai, the people trembled 
and they couldn't see him. They couldn't touch the mountain. Nothing. They repented. They refrained from eating and all that. And now that he's arisen from the dead and has given himself to us in the form of food, we just let it be put on our hand and let the particles fall, because they do, uh, and just pick him up with our hand, put him in our mouth. That is, to me, unthinkable, dear Jim. The fact, when I came into the church... The only way communion should be received, now you can say it's my opinion, it's not my opinion, it's the only way communion should be received. Other ways are allowed, I grieve at that, but they are allowed so they're not sinful. The only way communion should be received is on our knees, at the altar, on our knees and on our tongue. So that we are bowing before God, and if our knees won't work, we can bow from our waist. But we are bowing before God. We don't even say amen. If you go to the Latin church, you don't, when the priest says the body of Christ, we don't say amen. We don't speak. The priest says amen. And we put our tongues out, and God is put on our tongue. Jim, we don't touch him. And we don't have to worry about particles and all that. There's always a patent under us with a, with a, a proper, properly trained uh, server. Um, you go to a, most masses with or without the patents, those young altar servers, they're distracted. They are not well trained on how to use the patent. And when the church is vacuumed, Christ is vacuumed up. All those particles, the tiniest crumb is fully God, and we treat him like a cracker, like common food. When I entered the church, Jim, from my Jewish background, and I had been an evangelical trying to save Catholics for 18 years, when I came to believe the Catholic Church was true, and that the triune God of Abraham, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who became man, then became our food, I knelt, I put out my tongue for the first time, and I said to myself, this you might perish because I deserve to perish. You can't look on God or see him or touch him growing up in my Jewish background. You cannot look on God and live. And now he, the true God, is being placed on your tongue. And I knew, Jim, that at that moment I could utterly perish. In a second. I knew it. Now I saw other people receiving and they didn't perish. And I knew the doctrine of the church. I'd come to believe it. But I still knew he was God. And I was the creature who deserved death. Even though I knew he died for me and I was forgiven. The point is I deserved death. And and the fact is he's God and I'm a creature. And I knew the moment he was put on my tongue... I could perish in an instant and cease to exist or go to hell or whatever it was. And I took that chance receiving him. My heart was pounding, but I took that chance and I knew that if he wiped me off the face of the earth at that second, he is just. And the thought of putting him, of having someone put God in my hand and my picking him up with my fingers and putting him in my mouth, who am I? to do that to God, to handle him like that. 
Only a priest has the right to do that. That's my answer to you, Jim. Um, Again, the church allows it, so no one's in sin, but I will not receive him in the hand. If that means I can't receive it, it means I can't receive him. He has been so, so, so degraded. Well, I, I thank you for explaining that. That's um, a very reverent um, understanding you have. Um, it's a, actually beautiful. Um, and you I know, go dear, back to... Um, go ahead. I, I, I know that's how we approach God in the Old Testament. Um, and one thing I love about our Catholic faith is that we can we can trace that's you know, everything right. right back through that... Um, and to the apostles and St. Paul and even Polycarp yeah. and talked about attending Mass. Back then, though, they when they broke bread, they knew they were having the Eucharist. Um, and they passed the cup, they knew it was a blood, but they did it with their hands. So, they did. So these they are did. people who walked walk with Christ. And uh, Well, so, I, t- I tell you what, Jim, go ahead. I, I shouldn't interrupt you. Go ahead, finish your sentence. They walked with Christ and they received him by the hand. Yes, and they, yes. but i got to believe that they were reverent and they were, <laughs> their faith was much, much stronger than mine. Um, you know, well, I don't know. Him. I don't know that. I'll tell you why. Um, I don't know what the apostles believed and understood at the time. I don't know. They knew he was from God. They knew he was the Messiah. You know, there are many people in Israel today, Jews, who believe he's the Messiah, but they will not believe he's deity, God. I don't know what the disciples, the apostles, at that Last Supper knew and believed. I don't know what they believed. They know our Lord said, this is my body, this is my blood. They knew what he was doing, do this in remembrance of me. They knew it was sacred, they knew all that. But I don't know how fully they understood anything before Pentecost when Peter himself said, beloved, we've killed the Messiah. He wasn't enlightened, truly, until then. Um, What Jesus did at the Last Supper, which is often called the First Mass, and people say, well, how could it be the first Mass? He hadn't died, he hadn't rose, risen from the dead. And St. Augustine said, that's true, but he held himself in his own hand because nothing's impossible for God. And he said, let there be light, and there was. He spoke, and the world was created. He creates by his word. And so when he said to bread, this is my body, bread obeyed, became his body, and he distributed it. But it was the Passover, and all people knew that they were eating bread at the Passover. That's all, and it it was unleavened bread. It was matzah. It was a true Passover. That's what they knew. I don't know fully what they understood at that Last Supper when he instituted the Eucharist and the priesthood. I don't think they fully understood anything because they went back in hiding. Remember when he died, and uh, not until he rose from the dead, and not even then. But until the Holy Spirit came upon them, I don't think they fully understood. Jim, dear one, that's the music for our break. Um, So we'll be right back after the break. Uh, I'm so glad for your call, Jim. God bless you, my brother. We'll be right back. 
Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Join us here on the Station of the Cross for the Liturgy of the Hours at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern with the Office of Readings read at 3 o'clock. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus tells us, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Liturgy of the Hours is also known as the Divine Office and is the daily prayer of the Church. So you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests, religious, and laity throughout the world. It's comprised of small reflections, readings from sacred scripture, and writings from saints and theologians. To learn more about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you, and we've got a full 10 minutes left, and our lines are wide open, and you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart or email or text. We have a call from Anthony from New York. Hi, Anthony. Hi, Mother. How are you? Oh, I'm terrific. How about yourself? I'm doing good, thanks. Appreciate good. it. Good. Mother, I have I have a uh, question on a study Bible that I recently purchased. I'm, I'm a bit of a Bible geek. I, I like all different translations of the Bible and such. Great. I bought this complete Jewish Bible, study Bible. I don't know if you know about it. And it's a, it's put out by, I think, the Messianic Jews. Messianic, yes. Messianic, I think I do Messianic know Jews. about that. I think I do, yes. Yeah. I have the New Testament Stern. version of that. All right, Stern <laughs> is the, uh, is the Stern, yep. translator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just wondering, um, is it okay that I... Uh, purchased this because I, I want to know more about the Jewish tradition and the Jewish yeah. people. You know, I always had a love for the Jewish people my whole life. I used to hate when I used to hear anti-Semitism from even from my own friends, and I used to mm, always, good. you know. Good. And so, I, so I want to know: uh, is, is it is it okay with this translation? It is okay, Anthony. Um, you'll get some good Jewish information background from that book. 
but you need to keep in mind that um, that uh, is it. David Stern, what's his Isaac Stern, David Stern? I yeah, forget. Yeah, it's David Stern. David yeah, Stern. David Stern is not Catholic, and so you're going to be getting uh, information and translation from a Protestant, pretty much Protestant point of view, evangelical. That doesn't make it uh, bad. It just means that you need to to, to um, uh, check it next to a good study Bible. And a good study Bible is the uh, Ignatius um, Revised Standard Catholic Edition Ignatius, uh, where uh, that has been um, uh, published by Ignatius and the, the two... Um, Authors of the commentary in that are uh, Scott Hahn and Curtis Mitch. That's very, very good. Uh, so you'll get a good, um, you'll have a, a good Catholic commentary to compare it to. But there's nothing wrong in David Stern's uh, book. Again, it'll, it'll give you some good Jewish background and information, but it, it's not going to um, give you the full translation and meaning of what the church teaches. Okay. All right. Thanks, Mother. God bless you for every, everything you do. God bless you, too. Good. Thanks. You Thanks. know, another one, um, another commentary you can get. Oh, you know, I, I, I have it. I've, I can see it. Um, he was Jewish and actually became an Anglican. It doesn't matter. I can't think of it. Sorry to tease you on that one. But... Um, uh, I'm trying to think of other Jewish sources. Um, you know, my brother David heads the Association of Hebrew Catholics, and it's HebrewCatholic.net, and there's an, a tremendous amount of material there uh, from uh, Jewish people who came into the Catholic Church. So you might find some helpful commentaries there as well. Good, good. Uh, thanks, Mother. I'm a member of, the, of that association. Well, what do you know? Uh, good, Anthony. Very yeah. good. Okay. Yes, yes. God bless you, dear All right. one. All thanks. right. Thank you, Mother. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We have an email from Kevin who writes, Mother, I'm going camping this upcoming weekend with my family, and with the masses opening up, my concern is about getting to mass. If we put ourselves in a place where a church is not nearby... Am I in sin? We appreciate any advice you give us. Thank you, and God bless you. Uh, Kevin, I I can't say you're in sin because, um, well, I I was going to say because in most cases the bishops have lifted the obligation to go to sin, to to go to sin, listen to me, uh, to go to Mass. But see, the bishops are wrong. They, uh, Cardinal Burke pointed out they have no right to do that because it's divine law, and they cannot cancel or change or go above divine law. So the obligation for Sunday Mass is not lifted. There's always been um, uh, room for reasons to not go to Mass if somebody is gravely ill or there's something that comes in the way, but the obligation's not lifted. In your case, Kevin... Um, I would not do it. I would not put yourself in a place uh, that you cannot get to Mass on Sunday. First of all, even without the lifting of the Sunday obligation, which is false, it's not lifted. 
um, if you were normally planning on going camping and you would not be near a church, you would need to get a dispensation beforehand of not going. And I think from the bishop, not even your priest, that's the way it used to be. You'd need to get a dispensation from Sunday Mass beforehand. If you just didn't go to Mass and then confessed it, you'd be confessing it as a sin because you didn't get that dispensation. So uh, times have changed. The reverence is gone uh, in good measure. I would say you're raising a family and you're going to show them by your actions of camping uh, where you cannot get to a church that church is equal. It's just another activity and maybe maybe a little more important than camping, but you're out of reach of the church, so it's not a problem. You're raising your family in a worldly way to say that this is worth not meeting God on Sunday who waits for us in the tabernacle so that we can be out camping as a family. No, no, I, I wouldn't do it, Kevin. And you say, is it sin? I, I'm not going to tell you it's sin because the church has allowed many things that I grieve about. I personally think it is because you, but again, don't go to confession based on me. I think it's a sin when parents don't live their vocation and the vocation of a parent is to get their children to heaven and to show them the importance of coming to mass on Sunday and receiving him in the Eucharist. And I think if we just abolish that on our own, we teach them it's no big deal. It's a matter of convenience. I personally would not advise that at all. No matter what you have to do, whether you have to drive three hours to get to mass or you have to, change your days of outing or whatever you have to do, I would do whatever it takes. The souls of your children through your example is what's going to teach them and what is more important for their eternity. We have a text from Christina who says, Hello, Mother Miriam. My name is Christina. I have three children, three and under. My older children, who are three and one and a half, are all fighting almost constantly. I realize a lot of it has to do with their ages, but I am at a loss for what to do to discipline them. My three-year-old often hits and slaps his younger sister when he's angry. I usually put him in a room until he calms down, but it doesn't seem to work because within five minutes of his coming out, the fighting continues. My one-and-a-half-year-old has started hitting their cousins now, too. Please help. It is very stressful dealing with them on top of having a newborn. Yes, Christina, you do need help, and I don't know where your husband is in all this. But you do need help with three children under three. It's almost unthinkable, let alone unbearable. Um, I would suggest you go to some of the homeschooling moms and ask them how they've raised their children and how they've disciplined them. Uh, go to uh, Dr. Ray Garendi has a book, Discipline That Lasts a Lifetime. The best gift you can give your kids. Discipline That Lasts a Lifetime. Get that book and ask homeschooling moms how they work with their children, homeschooling moms and dads, and um, uh, see what you can do, because uh, for your sake and for the sake of those children, um, you need help, um, I would say, right away, so it doesn't escalate. God bless all of you, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. God bless you.